Bluff City Media presents The Anthony Sane Show on YouTube at Bluff City Media. Stepping up to the microphone is your host, Anthony Sane. Acknowledge me. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to The Anthony Sane Show. This is, of course, your host, Anthony Sane. Things are a little different today. Kenny Stubblefield, mega producer, is on vacation, getting some much-needed rest, much-deserved time away from the show. We are live here from my house. I know it looks like the studio is just a little bit in the background. Yeah, we're pulling it off big boy, big boy type shit over here. But anyway, I want to welcome you guys. A very important man who's jumping on with me today. He is producing the show, guest producer from Hoop Spaces, from the Asylum Media Group. My boy, Michael Orell is in the building. What's going on, my boy? What's up, everybody? Can you hear me? I'm good. Yeah, man. You in there, man. You ain't got to do all that, man. We hear you, brother. If I, if I can see yeah, you, I can hear sure. you. Making sure. Yeah, you're good, man. Good to have you on with me today, man. Appreciate I, mean, I got to have somebody to talk to. I said, me call my boy, man. Let, let, let him get on with me. Uh, Mike, quick announcement. Like I said, you are a member of Asylum Media Group, an organization that I started to teach and mentor the next the next great sports media content creators, man. So and you're a part of the team. I want you to come on with me today. 24-year-old young native of the city of Memphis, for sure. My guy, Michael O'Reilly. What's going on with you, man? Appreciate you it, man. Nothing much. I had to make sure I could get uh the job ahead in the frame, man. You know, the job is important. I see it, man. I see it for sure. Well, uh, this is going to be a great show today. Uh, got a special guest coming up for Sit Down with Sane, my man Amari Sankofa of the Detroit Free Press, formerly of the Athletic here in the city of Memphis. Used to cover the Memphis Grizzlies. Good friend of mine for a long time. We, we, we aren't set up yet where we can be live in the studio and have a virtual guest. So with Kenny being out, I said, well, let me get my out-of-town buddies in. Got another special guest coming in this week. I'm not going to tell y'all about it until that day. You'll know then when, when they come in uh, for the show. But it's going to be an exciting week uh, here, like, like like I said, while we are away from the studio uh, and Kenny's out doing what he has to do. Uh, of course, we got to sit down with Sane today as well. And a very special uh, edition of Inside the Sane Brain. Probably one of the more serious topics um, that I'll be talking about today. Uh, we'll get to that in the fourth segment of the show. Uh, but since the last time we talked, uh, two things have happened since the last time we talked. Michael Harrell, uh, one thing is you went to Nashville to go see Beyonce, Beyonce. Queen B herself. The B, the uh, how was B. that real fast, my friend? How was that experience? Bro, it was amazing. Like, I've always been somebody who's been, like, an appreciator. My fiance is mm -hmm. a huge fan. But, like, going, my expectation. Like, it wasn't even that I had low expectations, but I was just like, all right, it's going to be a concert. I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of get the beehive. I kind of get the hype. Because it's like, mm -hmm. it's she's otherworldly, man. Like, her stage presence, the way she performs, it, it was definitely, it was, I got, we got our money's worth for sure. Uh, I could have, could have, could have gone... Could have had it in the city. Would have liked it a little bit more if I could have stayed home. But hey, it is what it yeah, is. This was up, man. I've, I've never been to a Beyonce concert, but uh, yeah, it seems like it's seems like it's quite the blast for sure. Yeah. Um, another event that was going on in the city of Memphis while you were away, Micah was the uh, Big Three came to Memphis uh, last Saturday. I was in the building for the Big Three event. For those of you who do not know, uh, the Big Three is owned by uh, Ice Cube, the rapper Ice Cube who's been so many more things other than a rapper. You know what I mean? You're talking about producing television shows, movies, acting, really just a mogul in entertainment. One of those guys who really, one of the underrated, understated guys when it comes down to uh, 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 just being an ultimate entertainer uh, is what you know Ice Cube has been pretty much. Uh, the Big Three, of course, is a three-on-three -three basketball league. Uh, the Travels is a six-team league. 
Um, every time you go to an event, all all six is that right? No, it's a twelve team league. I think I don't know, but there were like six games this night. That yeah, night, I think right? it's I think it's yeah, I think it's six games, twelve teams. Yeah, I think it's twelve teams, six games. So uh, three on three half court basketball. The t- the league is probably eighty percent former NBA players, if not ninety percent. Um, so you're talking about guys that are ranging from probably late twenties to, you know, you got a couple guys in their thirties, a couple guys in their forties out there playing, but they're mostly recognizable guys uh, from the NBA. Uh, also included in this big three situation, they had a, a camp called the Young Three, and my son uh, Gabriel he was involved in it. Jason Smith, his son CJ, he was involved in it. It was hosted by Kevin Whitted, who was a guest on the show a couple weeks ago. And uh, part of the uh, the camp package included that the campers would get four tickets, you know, to the game. And uh, I was excited. You know, we went out to the game. And, uh, yeah, all hell kind of broke loose, man. <laughs> Just to be honest with you, um, we were given wristbands. And each wristband also represented a ticket. And you could, you could swap in these wristbands, uh, you know, swap in your wristband to get a ticket to the game. And got down there. Um, that whole setup wasn't ready. I got down there super early because I had another event I was trying to go to. I was trying to go to 901 Wrestling for the Saturday morning wrestling event. And I was trying to get down there, possibly see I get down there early, get my tickets so I wouldn't have to miss the wrestling show. Or I wouldn't have to leave as early from the wrestling show. So I got down there a little early, and the, and the lady was like, I don't know what you're talking about, and, and I'm confused, and I have no knowledge of what you're talking about. So I started getting frustrated. I called uh, Kevin with his wife. And she was like, yeah, you know, we're working on it. We're trying to figure out what's going on in our own selves. So we came back down there at uh, 12. Uh, they weren't ready at 12. <laughs> the tickets weren't ready at 12. I said, well, I'll go to wrestling and I'll come back later on around 1. Went to the wrestling show, which is about 10 minutes away. Sat there for probably 15 minutes, came right back to the FedEx Forum at 1. Michael Orell, the tickets still weren't ready at 1 o'clock. What time was tips for like what, what like I know it's not even tip, is it they don't tip the ball? They uh they tipped off at two o'clock. The first game oh. started at two o'clock. They started properly and on time. Do they tip or do they shoot for it? Like how do they they uh the home team automatically gets okay uh, the ball or the whoever right. does the home because they're, they're a traveling league, there is yeah, no I home, they're not officially affiliated with city, so you know, whatever the whatever. Yeah, so um they started on time at two o'clock. We ended up getting in. Shout out to uh, Miss Witted. I think the only reason why we got in is because she was she was there and was advocating for her people to get tickets. And I think and, and there were a lot of camps that were supposed to get tickets that weren't getting tickets, and it was a huge mess. So I was at the game realizing that that was an issue that there were kids, parents, families that didn't get tickets to the game. So I knew that was an issue. Um, came home, Ice Cube is upset about not at the city of Memphis, um, but at the FedEx Forum. He literally said, thank you, city of Memphis. <laughs> FedEx Forum, thanks for nothing. <laughs> Which raised my antenna. Um, I started looking at other tweets. He said, then Ice Cube said something about um, people had people were trying to buy tickets and the website was saying that they were sold out. I didn't witness this because I didn't pay for tickets. Yeah. Um, I did talk to friends. I had one friend who was who had a kid that was a camper, and his kid that was a camper, they had to pay for a ticket to go to this event. 
because of the the ball that was dropped, the miscommunication between I don't know whether it was Big Three FedEx form, yeah, there was some miscommunication. And if you know anything about me, Anthony Sane loves the kids, and I was very disappointed that this ball was dropped. Um, but Ice Cube was upset about something when he started off the event. He came out and he welcomed everyone. He thanked the city of Memphis when it first started. And he apologized for what he called a uh, staff shortage on Saturday. He then began to talk about uh, apologizing for the concessions. And he said that university, I mean, not the University of Memphis, the FedEx form was short staffed. He apologized about the concessions. He apologized about issues with the tickets. He didn't really get into specifics. Yeah. Um, I went on social media. I saw people talking about the whole thing. People were complaining about things such as um, not having, uh, like, like they were saying, they were echoing what Ice Cube was saying. They were saying that there were no tickets available when he went online. Zach Thomas, one of the owners of Bluff City Media, he said that he tried to buy tickets and it showed that they uh, were sold out. So I see can that, see. This, this was can, confusing to me because like the day before I left town, because it was the same night, I saw tickets, like I saw everything. So it was confusing to me because I'm in Nashville and all I see is just like chaos. Like I see Ice Cube's pissed off. I see the discourse in Memphis went from, oh, Tony Allen, big three to like, I can't even get a ticket. There's no, t- like, it was just Hell like, is, I, right. I, what the hell is going on? Right. So I can understand Ice Cube's frustration if he thinks that's what was going on. If he thought there was something weird going on with the ticket situation. I've talked to a few people. I saw a few other comments and people were saying, well, you guys were probably using a third party app. You're probably using a StubHub or yeah. I don't know how you guys buy tickets. Breaking news. I don't buy tickets or anything. <laughs> and then you see me at nine times out of ten, I got there for free. And it's just, I don't know if it's a gift of gab or some of that is media stuff or just connections. I don't I don't buy tickets to much stuff. Much stuff I go to, I end up going for free. Um so I can see Ice Cube being upset about that. Um, I think that there's a combination of things that may have happened. Ice Cube clearly feels a way towards the NBA. I think he feels that the NBA may be sabotaging them. That's language that we've heard before with Ice Cube uh, when it comes down to things like sabotage. We've heard those type of words. And I'll be honest with you, if if he doesn't feel the support from the NBA or he feels like the NBA looks at him as competition, I would feel a way anytime I'm in the NBA arena. I would think these dudes are out to get me. You know what I mean? That's yeah. I could I could see Ice Cube feeling a way about that. I could see him feeling triggered by any little thing. You know what I mean? Oh, this is a setup. They're trying to get me. And I could also see this being a rollout. I could see this being a total <laughs> fabricated thing by Ice Cube to create this narrative about the NBA to bring more attention to his league. Why does it got to be here, know. though? Like, why does it have to be here of all places? Like, why does this tour have to start here? Like, this whole, like... But, but I'll, I'll say this, too, though, man. It didn't... Memphis is a, is a box office city. What I mean by that is... Yeah. We usually we're known for walking up to a place and buying tickets when we get there, and because of that, we don't be there on time. Like if it starts at two, we might not roll in good to three. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when it, when it first started, the crowd was looking bad. It was looking rough, but maxed out. There probably were there were enough people in that building to fill up the lower bowl. And, and I was observing it. I was like, I was like, man, they they probably could have pulled this off with just the lower bowl, like it, we, it was like the lower bowl, the pinnacle level, and the uh, you know you got the three areas: the terrace, yeah. the pinnacle, and, and the lower bowl, or whatever. And they were using the pinnacle and the lower bowl. They probably could have just had the lower bowl only. The, the top level was completely covered up. But you know you've got people who pay for those luxury suites, right? Yeah. 
So I think what was going on was you have to acknowledge them because people who have those luxury suites, they can go to anything. They can go to any event. That luxury suite gives you the right to go to anything you want to go to. So I think that what, what happened was you had to have that open. But even with that, you could have had that open but still blacked yeah. out everything else. I don't understand. It was like it was way too open because if, if you if you had it to just be the lower bowl, it would have been packed. And this is something they're recording for television. So you want to kind of create the illusion that you're in a packed arena, even if you're not. And so I know you, you say that the lower bowl is completely full. I know it's half court basketball. So are you talking about like that half of the court is full or the entire lower bowl is full? The entire lower bowl. Because they did it, they did it half court, but the way it was set up, it still looked like you were in a full arena. Okay. That, that makes any sense. Um, someone else said that when you when you rent out the FedEx form for an event, that there are different packages that you pay for. And they said that they think that Ice Cube might have tried to skimp. They think that he might have purchased. Uh, he used to try to use a, and that package comes with a certain amount of people on staff, and certain concessions are open, some aren't. And they think that he may have purchased a, uh, made him need to buy a better package to get the type of coverage he wanted. Because it looked very skimpy, man. The concessions were super long. The lines were extremely long. wasn't much open. I mean, um, concessions are already rough enough at a Grizzlies game. Are you talking like yeah. worse than like Grizzlies game yeah. concession line? It was tough. It was tough because there was only like probably 90 uh, his his events average like 9,500 people per event. Mm -hmm. I would guess there were probably around that many people there. I don't know. It seems like I'd, I'd probably say probably eight, nine, maybe. I don't know. It, it is form. The form is out at what? 17K? Form's like 17,000, isn't it? Yeah, 17,000. It's probably, it's probably about half full. You know what I mean? So uh, it's tough though, man. It's tough for sure. I can understand him being a business owner. Uh, especially being a, uh, being a black man trying to do what he's doing, the only sports league in the world owned by a black per owned by a black person. Um, I'm sure he feels uptight about a lot of stuff. This is what this feels like. Um, I don't see why the FedEx Forum would treat his event any different than anyone else. Um, I get it though. You know, what I mean, I, I I would feel uptight about any little thing too if it were me. Um, it's it's an odd situation, though, man. It's a really weird, really strange situation. You would you would like for a guy like Ice Cube to come here, say he enjoyed it, say he loved everything about it, come back again. Uh, but that clearly, there clearly was some type of uh, situation had him this grown. But I, I will say this: enough about the whole <laughs> off the court product thing. Uh, let's talk about the actual big three, because like I said, I was in the building. Uh, they played six games. Uh, each game was to 50 points. Uh, they stop it when one team scores 25 points and they have a halftime. And there's a halftime act or some type of something in between each halftime, whether it's someone performing or some type of half-court shots for money or something like that. So <clears throat> Ice Cube performed in the halftime halftime, which was halftime of game three of six. <laughs> so uh, he performed there, which is awesome. But each game, uh, Michael Orell lasted an hour on average. Um, See, I, I my like I don't know what I thought was going on with the big three because I know they're in. They've been around at least half a decade now, haven't they? Like they've been around a good solid like four or five. I think it's year six. I think it's year six. Yeah. And I my thing is like I've never just sat down like maybe in passing and flipping through channels like I'll see big three game and I'll keep it on. But I usually just see highlights like Bleacher Report, House of Highlights, something like that. I didn't know that you're going to see six games to 50. Yeah. That's you like a whole day. Six, yeah. You're watching about 300 points. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it was it's an all day event, man. Like this thing started too. I talked to people who stayed until the end because they had to stay to the end, but even still left early. And we're like, yeah, man, it was eight thirty when I left. This thing started at two o'clock. Bro, there's like Grizzlies games where, like, you see blowouts, and you're like, man, two and a half hours felt like forever. I can't yeah. imagine yeah. six two. hours. Yeah. And if, if our Ice Cube, and I'm not, because he's a multi-millionaire, smart gentleman, he gave us today was a good day. So who am I to question him? You know what I mean? But I will say that for these old ass men. That they were out there. You're talking about dudes that were my age, man. There were dudes that were 42, 43. Catino Mobley was out there looking like Papa Smurf. He's pep- he's salt and pepper now, ain't he? Yeah, man had a totally gray beard, bald headed. Like, dude, you look like a genie. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, you look horrible. Catino Mobley was out there. Michael Beasley was out there looking rough. Tony Allen looked rough. Shout out to TA though, man. Uh TA um they do this thing that's real cool too, where like they got a four point shot, which is it's kind of hard to get that shot off in a half court game because it's not like a transition shot. It's not like you can kind of get open for that, you know yeah. what I mean? Because you're you're playing half court, so it's kind of hard to get that four point shot off. But they've also got this thing where instead of doing a coach's challenge, if you challenge a call, you got to go one on one with the two guys who are involved in the play. And if you score, you get the call, and if you don't score, that's your ass. Sorry, you didn't get. The, and you could be right. Yeah, but if you you lose that one on one battle, you know the call goes to you goes to goes to the other guy. It was Tony Allen versus Larry Sanders. Tony ripped his ball. Tony's team got the call. That's pretty dope. I ain't gonna lie, that was a pretty cool it's, element. Of the it's game. more like a uh, follow or die approach. Yeah, it's like shoot or that, but yeah, but it's one on one. Nice. Um, if if I were in charge, the games would not be going to fifty. <laughs> I'm not gonna say put a clock on it. Because half court basketball is kind of goofy. I would stop the game. I would either go 24 or 32. I would yeah. not go 50. Because I ain't gonna lie, man, these old ass dudes, man. That first 20 points, they look good. But after that, man, it's a struggle. Them dudes are showing their age for sure. Uh, one dude got hurt. I can't remember his name. It's, it's a guy I remember from the league. He got hurt. But it's, it's a lot of guys that were like your eighth, tenth man in the rotation type dudes. There's not a lot of stars out there. Like, you're not gonna see. I peeped some you know, boxers with some names I remember. Like yeah, Earl like Clark, Amir Johnson, James White, like yeah, those type of things. Yeah, it's not like you know Carmelo Anthony's there, or I think Iverson may have played a couple games, but you know, it's it's kind of guys you familiar you're familiar with, but it's not like a bunch of former stars. Like you're not gonna see LeBron playing in the big three, you know, in a few years. So it, it, you know, Kobe never did a bid in the big three. Nah. Like it's not that type of league. You know what I mean? So um, I, I definitely think he needs to shorten the games. If you're gonna do this, I get it. You have to, you have to let every team play in every city you stop in. But one hour long games, man, and you're talking about six, seven hours to get this over with. I get what he's trying to do. I don't understand it, but yeah, I, Cube, I wish the best to you. I hate the situation went down the way it did. I hate that you're a seven FedEx form. Like I said, it might be a rollout. It might be fake. This might all just be him drumming up publicity. I ain't mad at that either. I'm mad that we're the captains of it, not the city. You got to see. I hate it had to be here. Yeah, if he's mad at a building, I ain't mad at him at all. <laughs> Just to be real with you, man, for sure. But uh, Cuba, wish you the best. Uh, Tony Allen, yeah, man. Yeah, just just let it go, T.A. Uh, I want to remember you the way that we remembered you in the Green and Grind era, not this <laughs> at all, man, not, not this at all. 
But we're about to take a break, man. When we come back, my man Amari Sankova is going to join us. It's going to be a great segment, I'm sure. Amari Sankova from the Detroit Free Press. We're going to talk about the NBA, the WNBA, Summer League. He used to cover the Memphis Grizzlies, so we're going to talk about them as well. Check it out. We'll be back in a minute here on the Anthony Sane Show. What's up, guys? I'm so excited to announce that we have partnered with Coaching for Literacy, and you can read more about them at coachingforliteracy.org or follow them on social media at Coaching for Literacy. Your subscription to Bluff City NIL is 100% tax deductible because of our partnership together. Thank you for supporting Memphis Tiger student athletes and helping promote the monumental cause of childhood literacy. <laughs> Welcome back to the Anthony the Saiyan Show. As I said earlier in the show, I have a very special friend of mine, very special guest. This is my guy, man, for many years. I saw this brother at, at a Grizzly game. At the time, it went as many brothers doing this as it was, as it is now. I saw the brother had to reach out to him. I saw he was a new face, introduced myself to him. We've been good friends ever since. A life has taken him away from Memphis since then. He covers the Detroit Pistons for Detroit, Detroit Free Press, but he used to cover our Memphis Grizzlies for the athletic here in the city of Memphis, my good friend Amari Sankofa. Amari, what's going on, my boy? Man, it's going good, man. I'm just happy to be on the show, man. Happy to be on the yeah. show. Yeah, you've been killing it. We've been talking about getting together and doing this for a while, but uh, we don't really have the capabilities to be in studio and uh, and have you on. So right now, I'm at the house recording Kenny Stubblefield, mega producer, uh, is away. So uh, I got the opportunity to bring you on, man. So we're going to rock and roll here uh, at the house for sure. Uh, first things first, man, I want to talk about uh, your time when you were in Memphis. You covered the Memphis Grizzlies here. What was that like? Like I said, me and you were boys. Uh, 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 we, I, I introduced you to your first barber, first good barber here in the city of Memphis. Probably had your first good beer with me, your first some everything, good barbecue, whatever. We probably did it together. Uh, I never, never know we hit some breakfast spots for sure. So what was your time like in Memphis, and what, what was your time like being with the Grizzlies? Because you came along John Moran's rookie year. We both started in full-time journalism here covering the Grizzlies at the same time. So what was it like uh, back then with that young uh, the young rookie team with, with Jaron and Joe? It was fun, man. It was fun. I really enjoyed being down in Memphis. And you know, even though I got the opportunity to move back home, mm -hmm. you know, to Detroit, obviously, and work for the hometown papers, you know, it was still a tough decision just for all the reasons you mentioned. I mean, like you came in and embraced me and showed me around the city and uh, Memphis just as a whole was like a welcoming city. Uh, they gave me crap about not doing a lot about wrestling, but beyond that, uh, you know, you did too. <laughs> you did too. But beyond that, it, you know, like it was just a really 
good experience and just like a good time of my, my life. And you talk about the Grizzlies. I got in, uh, started maybe like four or five games into that 2018-19 season. And uh, mm-hmm. that was like the transitionary year, right? Like they had just drafted Jaron and they still had Mike Conley. They still had Marcus All and uh, Marcus traded before the deadline. And then they trade Mike Conley, I think, right before the draft. And you just, you know, of course, the front office uh, changed a bit. Uh, Zach Kleiman, uh, you know, was promoted to uh, GM and uh, just a lot of change, right? So I covered all of that. And I covered uh, John Moran's rookie year pretty much up until the pandemic. Yeah. Hit. And uh, it was just a really fun team. Uh, you just kind of see the energy, uh, the transition from one era to the next. Uh, it was cool to have a front row seat for that and to kind of cut my teeth and a, a market like Memphis, where obviously the, the fandom is really strong and, you know, the team's been there, what, like 22 years, but it's still uh, a really hardcore fandom. So it was just fun, man. Like it, it, it was it was fun and I definitely miss those days. Yeah, we, we would talk a lot about how Memphis and Detroit, you know, had so many things in common, so many parallels yeah. for sure. Uh, you guys have a young up and coming team, too, man. Uh, uh, the Summer League just wrapped up uh, uh, out in Las Vegas. I'm sure you were out there uh, covering things live. You guys took uh, a sword Thompson in the draft uh, in number five, right behind his brother, uh, uh, Amen Thompson, at number four. Uh, what do you think about the Thompson twins? Of course, the one that you guys drafted. Uh, and what do you think? The type, what type of player do you think he'll end up being with that Detroit Pistons organization? I'm really intrigued by those guys. Like the the whole thing, like as far as how like g- they're gym rats and so focused on basketball and and just no technology and all those type of things. What What are your thoughts on those two brothers, especially a sword Thompson, the guys guy you took at five? Yeah, I mean, I think one, uh, just the thing that stands out immediately is how athletic they are. I mean, mm-hmm. Asar, he had the reverse alley-oop and, like, the put-back mm-hmm. one-headed dunk off of a standing jump. And uh, it's just, like, some of the stuff they're able to do athletically, some of the drives I'm in had to their rim. Uh, like, they're just super coordinated, super fast. Like, you mm-hmm. know, they're leapers. I think we saw I'm in for one game. Even in that one game, we just saw just how much of an athlete he is. So that's one mm-hmm. aspect. But I also think they just combine that with a really, uh, like, you know, I don't want to say like cerebral, but they're very much basketball players first, right? Like they're not guys right. who are just relying on the fact that they can run faster or jump higher. But like they also just try to play the game the right way. Like Asar, uh, probably more of an off-ball type of guard than his brother. But, I mean, Asar was still an incredibly willing passer, uh, found a space at the pecking order early on behind some of the veteran guys like Jaden Ivey and and, and Jalen Duran and, and James Wiseman. And then he kind of stepped forward once those guys sat out and uh, stepped up more as a, a scorer, but just very unselfish overall. And then just some of the defensive reads he made. I mean, just how nimble he is on defense, uh, super active rebounder. He did pretty much everything well except shoot the ball, and that's kind of the knock on his brother as well. But beyond that, uh, just as far as just being a Swiss Army knife type of player, I thought they really, really showed that they're complete players as far as that. You've always been pretty good as far as evaluating guys. I remember me and you were early on the DeAnthony Melton uh, Island before these other guys yeah. jumped on. <laughs> yeah. You definitely were the pioneer of, of uh, DeAnthony Melton Island. So with that being said, like, do you think the Detroit might have got the better brother? Who do you think honestly got the better brother of the two? Is it much difference between them, or who do you think got the better of the two? You know, it's tough to say because I feel like they both got drafted into like their ideal situations. Like I'm mm-hmm. in is like more of the point guard between the two. And really, I think they like they read the game pretty similarly, just from what I've seen. It's just that I think Asar is like maybe a little bit more of a vertical athlete, and I'm in is more 
uh, like quick first step and whatnot. So I think Omnen is just a better on-ball creator, whereas we saw Asar just a little bit more effective in transition. Uh, but, you know, Asar is on a team where he doesn't necessarily need to be the lead guy because you have Kane and yeah. you have Ivy. And then Ahmed is on a team where, I mean, he's really the only young point guard on, on the roster. They have Fred Van Fleet, and, you know, I couldn't tell you who the other point guard is. So he's on a team where they need him to be. Uh, that one blog guy. So I mean, I think I think honestly, they're pretty they're they're pretty similar players. That you know, I just think we will probably see Asar have better defensive stats just because he isn't initiating the offense as much uh, compared to Ivan would be my guess. But I think they'll I think they're they're really similar players to be honest. You mentioned James Wiseman and Jalen Duran, two guys of, of definite local interest here in the city of Memphis. Both guys uh, had a cup of tea here in the University of Memphis, uh, a little bit larger uh, cup for. Jalen Duran as opposed to James Wiseman, of course. But what are your thoughts on those guys? Because they look very good in the summer league as well. What what did the, the Pistons organization and the fan base think about uh, that that potential very good front court duo of James Wiseman and Jalen Duran? Yeah, no, a lot of uh, Detroit Memphis connections, especially with mm -hmm. uh, Jaden Ivey. Obviously, his mom was a Grizzlies mm -hmm. assistant. But uh, you know, I think I think Duran and, and Wiseman were two players that were uh, very very high on uh, Trey Weaver's draft board. Uh, I know James Wiseman was number one on his board in 2020. And mm -hmm. he was willing to take Jalen Duren uh, with the fifth overall pick actually in 2022 and ended up taking Ivy and then trading to get Duren, uh, who fought all the way down, I believe, to 13th. So he ended up mm -hmm. getting basically both of his guys in the uh, lottery. But, I mean, Troy, like, yeah, they're both big, athletic big men, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of Troy's archetype for what he's looked for in centers and you know they're both in a situation where they have to prove it i think to various extents but for duran he was the youngest player in the nba last year and uh he started like half of his games uh some of that was just because of injuries but some of that was also just because he was really solid as a rookie and got second team wide rookie obviously uh so it's just him coming back and, and and building on that and then wiseman's entering year four uh, really hasn't played a lot of basketball. Uh, like this past stretch after the trade deadline in Detroit was like one of the longest sustained stretches of basketball he's played since he was drafted. Just, you know, being in Golden State, buried in the depth chart, and there's some injury issues as well. Uh, but he's extension eligible now. And, you know, really, I think for both parties, it's probably more incentive for him to go into restricted free agency and uh, put a good season together and, uh, you know, just put a market together as well. So, uh, maybe a little bit more urgent for him just as far as having to show what he could do. But, uh, I mean, we've seen flashes of just how athletic he is and how well he moves. It's just for him, uh, I think, just learning the game and, and just applying that in a way that can be conductive to winning. I've, um, I'm a, I pull for Detroit. Uh, you're my guy, so, of course, I keep an eye on him. Uh, young team, like you said, a lot of local interest. I'm a big Jay Ivey fan. I said he was my best player uh, in, in the draft last year. <laughs> I was really pulling with Jay Ivey. Didn't have quite the impressive season that a lot of people thought he may have had. Uh, what do you think he is going to be like this year? Is it too late to panic or worry about him? No, I think he'll – like, I think last season was – he showed a lot of what made him uh, that fifth overall pick. Uh, just mm -hmm. obviously he's one of the – he was one of the better athletes in the, the draft. So people kind of compare him to uh, Ja, uh, but he's extremely quick. Uh, I mean, his his speed is like, especially if you see it in person, like it's really insane. I think last season was him just learning how to apply that speed toward winning. So mm -hmm. uh, we saw him get better as the year went on. He improved as a passer. I think his shooting was probably better than expected. And then he was asked to do a lot more than he normally would have just because Kate Cunningham got hurt uh, mm -hmm. pretty early. Well, really, Kate came into the year hurt and then they ended up shutting him down to have shin surgery. So 
uh, you know, that just made Jaden Ivey the de facto point guard. He wasn't playing off of somebody, which obviously made his job a lot tougher. But I thought he showed a lot last season. I think uh, next season will be a lot easier for him, just given that Cade will be back and he can play off right. of him and probably more of an off-ball role rather than have to initiate everything. Well, I've been taking a look down the road at the Pistons. I'm sure you take a look back down the road at the Grizzlies, the team you used to cover. What are your thoughts on the young players we have on our team? Uh, not the not the Jaws and the Jarens that you that were here when you came here, but more so the guys we saw in summer league, the Zaire Williams, Jake Laravia type guys, the David Riders, and even guys like you know GG Jackson, who we acquired this year. Yeah, I mean, I like I like I like Kenny Lofton. Uh, I just I just like mm-hmm. his game. Obviously, he's a unique player. Uh, killed it down in summer league. Uh, he's one of those guys where, like, just because of his uh, body type, you know, people kind of question mm-hmm. if he can, uh, like, thrive in the NBA. But I know he had a really good year for the G League last season. And, uh, I mean, there's even the clips of him uh, being a, a natural problem for uh, Victor Wimbledon. He have a, uh, you know, yeah. like there was a, the older video of that going against each other. And uh, he's just a, a fun player to watch. So I'm definitely curious to see. Uh, how things pan out for him and if he could really become a rotation piece for him. And right. then uh, Jake Jake Arabia is also somebody I was a fan of in the draft, and mm-hmm. I don't think he played a lot last season. But, uh, you know, I, I thought he showed some things in, in summer league, and he's another player that I think could end up stepping up and being a rotation guy for uh, Memphis. What do you think uh, about what the Phoenix Suns are doing? They traded campaign, uh, putting Bradley Bill at the point of position. He's never played as a pro. He was a shooting guard in college as well. Not to say he can't be a point, but they're really going all in on their big three. You know what I mean? They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're going it all on all in on those guys. Plus, because of the CBA rules, the cap rules, there's certain things they're kind of trying to get ahead of. Uh, they're, they're, you know, in a tough situation as far as that's concerned. What do you think about what the Phoenix Suns are doing this year? And do you think they've done enough to uh, be looked at as a favorite in the West? You know, I feel like they're doing uh, the West Coast version of what Brooklyn just did a few years ago. And obviously mm-hmm. that uh, – unraveled so you know i think when you just look at the parity around the nba and the death a lot of the contending teams have to sacrifice their death and going on uh three players you know one or really two of whom already have injury histories and Mm -hmm. uh you know kevin durant's going to be another year older and he's still playing at an elite level not to take anything away from him but uh you know it's just it's just risky uh you know to build around guys who have that injury history and essentially go all in on three players who have overlapping skill sets too uh, I mean, Bradley Bill, full-time point guard, should be interesting. And I thought they actually did a pretty decent job at free agency to uh, kind of swing on the margins a little and, and find guys on those cheap veteran deals. So yeah. they have some depth, but I'm still I'm, – I'm just a little skeptical. I think I just have to see one of all three guys can hold up, you know, and be healthy for the playoffs. And then, two, uh, you still have a really deep uh, conference or really just the NBA overall is deep and you have nine or 10 teams that could realistically win it next season. So, you know, I guess to double down on the strategy that really hasn't worked for too many teams outside of Miami, uh, you know, it's just one way to go about things and we'll see what happens. The WNBA, uh, had his all-star game, uh, during, during the same time the summer league was going on in the same city in Las Vegas. Do you think that's a good smart move by the NBA? I don't, I haven't looked at ratings, I know the WNBA is 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 gaining, uh, is coming along slowly. I'm not particularly a fan. I've I've come a lot closer to it now than I did a couple of years ago. I'm probably actually willing to to jump more into it now. But do you think that that was a smart move by having their your All Star festivities while there are so many NBA heads already in town in, in a major market like Las Vegas at the same time as the summer league? What do you think about that as far as 
how smart that was by the NBA. I thought it was smart. You know, I was in Vegas uh, the first five days and just seeing that, you know, the WNBA All-Star was going to be there that weekend did make me think, well, you know, if I was here a few more days, like that would be cool because I would definitely go check it out. And I think it's just smart marketing to be able to uh, just market all those events in a, mm-hmm. the same bracket, right? Like Summer League, I feel like Summer League just gains more and more momentum every year as far as just mm-hmm. interest from casual fans. Like seems like 10 right. years ago, it wasn't quite as, you know, I don't want to say a phenomenon, but it just seems like the interest there is just higher yeah. than it's ever been. And it's, a, it's a part of the NBA season now. Like the season yeah. ends in July. Basically, yeah, yeah, like it's it feels like an extension of the season mm-hmm. almost in a way, or like a preview of next season, really. Yeah, is what it is, and it's smart, you know. I think for the NBA to, I mean, the WNBA to capitalize on a lot of people already being there for that, and uh, mm-hmm. we've seen the WNBA's uh, profile rise really, especially in the last you know, two or three years as well, with a lot of the talent that they've gotten. And then, I mean, it even went went viral. Uh, Ian Nesco, of course, uh, set yeah. a blue point record. And like, it's just we're seeing these viral moments over and over. So I think any sort of cross promotion you can do is uh, probably good for, for both leagues, honestly, both the WNBA yeah. and NBA. I thought it was pretty dope, man. I think it's just do it every year, have it every year in Vegas, line it up with the Las Vegas Summer League, and just do it like that. I think I think it had a lot of buzz this year. You had Brittany Grinder come back, of course. So I just think, man, just keep it, just keep it in Vegas, line it up with, with the Summer League, and I think it can be incredible. Uh, but as far as the NBA offseason is concerned, a lot of teams made a lot of moves. Who you think have made the has made the biggest moves in the offseason and who's been the most disappointing, you think, uh, so far? Yeah, you know, most disappointing. You know, it's t- I feel like not a lot of teams had truly bad offseasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think if you look at the teams that are contending, then, yeah, I mean, you have a team like Denver that just kind of lost Bruce Brown and they're Better look at Christian Braun and whoever guys to step up. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, there's some fans who wonder if they had done enough there. But uh, you know, I there were some moves that I, I, I really did like. Like off the top of my head, I actually thought the Wizards uh, did a pretty good job. Uh, a lot of people didn't like that they didn't get much back in the Bradley Beal trade, but just you know, I think that was probably one of the worst contracts of the league when you just look oh, at yeah. the fact that I had a like not just the salary, but just the fact that I had a, a no trade clause for them, them to essentially wipe those books. Or, you know, you take a flyer on Jordan Poole, you get some assets back. And then they also, uh, you know, just you look at their uh, draft. I thought, but yeah. like, I thought Bilal was a, a smart pick. And like, I just like what they, they did overall. I'm talking best offseason. We'll just have to see. Like, I'll just have to think, think about it. Who do you think had the, the best offseason? There is um, offseason wise. Um, who was the team I was looking at, man? I cannot think off the top of my head. Sacramento's doing, doing some slick stuff, man. They're yeah, kind of yeah. they're kind of adding some cool little dudes around the end, like you know they got a Euro, one of the European guys. It was like Euroleague MVP or something like that. I think they're they, they brought Harrison Barnes back. I think that's a big deal. I, I'm looking at Sacramento, like they 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 kind of did some slick moves to kind of get better. A lot of people are talking about Houston. I don't really see it the way that they see it. I think I think it's a lot of what ifs over there. I think you. I think expecting a team that's been that bad for so long and young to just kind of get it overnight, I don't, I don't see it, and I, I don't, don't, I don't think Dylan Brooks is the guy who makes you better. I think that's the, one of the worst guys to get with a bunch of young dudes. I mean, if you just want my honest opinion on, that's not hating on Dylan, but I just don't, I don't, I don't see Houston the way that people are seeing them at all. Yeah, but Houston was almost like a victim of having that cap space because they just had a handful of guys that they wouldn't got, and they just essentially said, "Well, we'll just overpay." 
these yeah. guys a little bit, right? Uh, I think the third year of uh, the Van Fleet contract is a, a, a team option, so that makes mm-hmm. that a little bit better. But uh, yeah, you know, twenty million a year. I think it might have been a little bit more than that actually. Uh, when the final number came out, is you know, a lot of money for a player who just had to shot the ball very well in his career. And then, you know, of course, everything that happened in the uh, playoffs, which might have gotten overballed a little bit right. in the end. But, you know, still, uh, you know, it's definitely a little bit more of a gamble. So, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, I would say one team that had it, and their offseason is not done yet, so it's still TBD. But obviously Portland, uh, yeah. you know, like not committing to a Damian Lillard decision maybe sooner. And then you go and, you know, I still think there's like Jeremy Grant could live up to that contract. But, you know, if you're England sort of for a rebuild, do you do that? knowing that Dame is going to request out a yeah. day later. So, you know, it seems like they kind of got their wires crossed mm-hmm. a little bit on which direction that they were going with, which was puzzling. I'm also curious, you know, I would say that I uh, it seemed like Atlanta, maybe it would make more sense to, for them to trade uh, DeJounte Murray, and they extended yeah, him to 500 team last year. I and, that's a, and that's a good number for them. Like, it really is a good extension number for them, but yeah. it makes me wonder – what their path is this upcoming season, essentially bringing the same team back they had last year. Yeah. Yeah. Without John Collins. So, well, yeah. And they did trade John Collins. That's yeah. right. Um, You mentioned the Portland situation. How do you think that whole thing pans out? Cause I think it's going to get ugly, man. I think, I think Damian Lillard is going to start the season on Portland's roster and I could be wrong, but maybe I just want to see some good drama, but it's just an ugly situation. It's like, there's no way that's going to end cool, man. Like, Somebody's going to end up with an egg on their face. Either Portland's going to cave in to, to Dame or Dame is going to end up looking like the bad guy or I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that whole Portland thing for Dame and Yeah, you know, it's I think with a situation like that where, you know, and especially once you like draft Scoot, like from an organizational standpoint, mm-hmm. maybe that makes it easier for you to say, we're just going to hit the reset button now. And, you know, you always have to talk about loyalty, but, you know, I think that marriage has kind of been there so long that at this point, nobody can really blame either side for being ready for it to end. It's just, you know, obviously Dame is making it really hard for them, right? But very openly trying to angle himself to Miami. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think I think Portland is playing a hand that they were dealt now uh, the best that they can. Um, you know, obviously, there's no there's no rest. They could probably let this plan to pretty close to the season before they trade Dame. And you know, there are other teams who are you know certainly working the phone, seeing if they can get involved into this as as well. So, um, you know, I'm curious to see how it plays out. But yeah, it was just the timing of the trade request for Damian Lillard was uh, just curious for me, just on how it kind of played yeah. out. Yeah, yes, yeah, interesting stuff for sure. Um, another interesting situation, uh, something close to his here. Is uh, John Morant a guy that I know made your second year covering the Grizzlies a lot of fun uh, when he came to the team? Uh, you were here in the city of Memphis, of course. It's been a whirlwind uh, ever, ever since you left, Amari. Just you know, I'm just gonna, not going to say that because we had two great, <laughs> two great seasons since you left. But John Morant, mm-hmm. since then, of course, you've seen the drama with the gun incident, uh, the incident with Joshua Holloway at his house, the mall incident, Indiana Pacers incident. Uh, finding the West, all these different things with John, um, kind of a whirlwind of, of just wildness here in the city of Memphis involving John Morant. Um, the Grizzlies, of course, made two moves that I think would put them as when you ask me about teams about great offseason, don't want to oh, sound yeah. like a move, but just being just being just being honest, you know, you picked up a guy like Marcus Smart, who's you know, all defensive player of the year, former defensive player of the year, a couple just a couple years ago. Um, mm-hmm. you had a guy like him who could come in, do a lot of things that Dylan did. Do a lot of things that Tyus Jones did. You bring in the ultimate vet 
uh, mentor type guy who actually was one of Jaws' favorite players and Derrick Rose as well. Uh, what do you think the addition of those two guys, uh, how do you think that helps uh, John Morant this year? I think it helps a lot. Uh, you know, I think sometimes when you have a young team uh, like the Grizzlies, uh, you know, you don't have, you know, players that have kind of been through it before and, mm-hmm. you know, can kind of just be the, uh, you know, the clear head in the room, I would say, just as far as doing mm-hmm. how to navigate, you know, fame and just the demands of the NBA and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can happen sometimes where players just get sidetracked or they just stop to see the big picture. And I mean, if you're just looking at a, a character guy, I mean, Marcus Smart obviously is toward the top of that list. Uh, right. you know, I saw how excited Taylor Jenkins was during that press conference. And, oh, man. You know, <laughs> like, just shaking <laughs> with excitement. And I mean, I just think that says a lot. I mean, he's going to come in. He's, he's coming from a team that obviously has established a really strong winning culture. Uh, you like no hardware to show for it yet, but you know you just look at Boston's consistency over the years. You know swapping pieces in and out, and uh, they performed at a high level. And Marcus Smart obviously was a huge part of that. You know a defensive player of the year himself. Uh, you know somebody who could really, I mean, you combine him and Jaron Jackson on the same team. I mean they could just absolutely lock teams down more than they already have been next season. Mm-hmm. And you know just I mean on the court, off the court, like I just think Marcus Smart is going to make Jaws' life easier uh, you know he's somebody else who could he could add that extra leadership element in a locker room as well right so i just think that's mm-hmm. a, a a huge get uh from memphis and then derrick rose I actually covered derrick rose a little bit here in detroit uh yeah, you did. i moved back and i mean just very like super genuine guy and then obviously you know somebody who has kind of been in josh's shoes uh you know just from the standpoint of being this young phenom uh, you know, somebody who's just like this highlight road guy and just knowing how to navigate you know, everything that comes with that and the you know decisions you have to make or decisions you can't make uh, when you're in the public eye, uh, you know, I think could probably help him on the floor too, right? Uh, you right. know, I'm, there's always an ongoing debate about some of Josh's dunk attempts, you know, like who better to teach Josh about, you know, how to yeah. take care of your, your body than Derek Rose, who, of course, had those injury issues, but that, you know, got his career really back on track and so had some really good seasons after, after the fact, so. Yeah, I mean, both of yeah. those guys, I just think just from a uh, on the floor, off the floor, coach or whatever else, like those are two really big pickups for Memphis. Yeah, man, for sure, for sure. Well, Mario, I appreciate you coming out, man. Everyone, there was Amari Sankofa of the Detroit Free Press. My friend, my brother, man. Bro, we got to get you back to Memphis. We got to hit up Sunrise or something, man. Get down on something. I'm, so I'm definitely going to yeah, I'm 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 getting down there this next season, man. We're going to get some Sunrise. Yeah. Like, might have to hit South Main, too. Come on, man. We gotta do something for sure, man. For sure. Make it happen. Omar, let you go, man. Appreciate you, man, for sure. Hey, thanks for having me, man. All right, brother. Again, everyone, that was Omari Sankofa, the Detroit Free Press. Used to cover our Memphis Grizzlies for the athletic here in the city of Memphis. Uh, Really enjoyed the interview with my guy out there in Detroit. About to take a break. When we come back, it's the three pointer here on the Anthony Sainz Show. We'll see y'all. What's up, guys? I'm so excited to announce that we have partnered with Coaching for Literacy, and you can read more about them at coachingforliteracy.org or follow them on social media at Coaching for Literacy. Your subscription to Bluff City NIL is 100% tax deductible because of our partnership together. Thank you for supporting Memphis Tiger student-athletes and helping promote the monumental cause of childhood literacy.
Right, y'all, welcome back to the Anthony Sane Show. Just wrapped up a great interview with my boy, Amari Sankova from Detroit Free Press. Got my man, Michael Orell, in the building. Mike, you still good, man? You good? You made it back home, bro? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. My guy, my guy, for sure. Uh, This is a three-pointer. We'll be talking about three events in the world of sports that have been, you know, pretty big deals since the last time we talked. Uh, Number one, Sabrina Inescu of the New York Liberty lost her goddamn mind in the WNBA three-point shootout. Uh, 37 points out of a possible 40. She made 25 out of 27 shots, including 20 three-pointers in a row. I don't care if you're a man, woman, child, whatever you're doing. That's an incredible <laughs> shooting display, man. The best sure ever. Best ever in any, not just a women's three-point contest, uh, any three-point contest, men, women, NBA, whatever. Uh, also got a challenge from Steph Curry. Uh, we talked about Amari with this. Uh, in the last segment that is that is cool that the WNBA is having their all-star weekend while the while the NBA summer league is going on in Vegas. I think it's a great idea. Uh you're gonna get those casual fans. You're gonna get fans who are there in Las Vegas anyway. Why not go check out the WNBA stuff? Stagger the times for stuff. I think it's really cool uh how they played that and how they came off. Um shout out to her for sure. That matchup between her and Steph Curry is gonna be incredible. And that's another thing too man. Why not during the dog days of summer have this NBA sanctioned just three point contest? Put it on TNT, have Sabrina versus Steph go at it. Only thing I'll say, I watched the video, I didn't watch it live, I watched the video a million times. Those commentators were ass. <laughs> like, and we talk about like Kenny Smith and Reggie Miller and even Charles Barkley, how terrible mm-hmm. those guys are all star weekend. Let me take all that back, man, because to these guys, like, what are you like? This girl is like breaking records in the background. <laughs> contest is like bottom tier commentary yeah man but bro bro like i'm like she's she's literally going off and they're talking about other stuff and like man can, are y'all even paying attention <laughs> pay attention to what this lady's doing like at least i know kenny smith and reggie miller they're gonna they're gonna jog ride it's to over the- it's over the night is it yeah, she was going off for sure. So uh, shout out to Sabrina uh, Inescu. I'm probably saying that wrong, but a shout out to her for sure. Uh, super excited, man. Great for the WNBA game for to go off like that. Her and Steph Curry, uh, she put out the, uh, the open challenge, or he put it out. Those two are going to go at it. So I think that could be super dope. The NBA needs to make that happen. Put it on TV. I'd watch it. I think it would be incredible. Don't wait until All-Star Weekend. Put it during these dog days of, of the offseason, man, if you can. I, I don't know. I don't know. TNT or ESPN slate is full, but I'm sure there will be much, much CTV between Sabrina Inescu and uh, and Steph Curry. Number two. Oh man, not many times do I get excited. I'm, I'm gonna tell you a story about me, man. Back in 2000 and I think seven, the Memphis Grizzlies drafted Rudy Gay, and there was this guy that made this video on YouTube that was the Rudy Gay rookie highlight reel but it wasn't like it wasn't rookie like first season rudy gay yeah like what to expect from rudy gay based on his college stuff i've got this video memorized like i can watch this video now and tell you what's about to happen i watched the video a million times and the 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 clarity of it the quality of it is probably shot in 180p (laughs) that's it 80 like 80p like it's super grainy but, man, I would watch this video on end. 
I've not been excited about some off-season video like that video until I saw this video of Jaron Jackson Jr. that came out yesterday. Jaron put it out on his Instagram page of Jaron uh, in the gym working out. Super excited to watch it. Uh, Jaron physically looks really good. Jaron Jackson Jr. took a mid-range jump shot, a pull-up mid-range jump shot in this workout. Wait. I may have ejaculated a little bit. I, uh, I don't really want to release that information here. I may or may not have. Uh, but, yeah, man, just super exciting to see uh, Ja, I'm sorry, Jaron, in that workout video because that's the thing with Jaron. There are two things I said separate him from being what I consider being an all-world player, like an upper echelon top-tier player in this league. That is developing a mid-range jump shot and developing a pick-and-roll game. Jaron looks horrible at times setting picks. I've said offensively, if he can get those things in his repertoire, you're talking about uh, uh, a guy who can – he can be a totally different player. He can be a totally – an elite-tier athlete if, if Jaron can add those things to his game. We see guys do things in summer workouts that they never do in real games. We've seen Steven Adams take shoot three-pointers yeah. forever <laughs> in these games. We see guys that we thought were just back-to-the-basket bigs taking dudes off the dribble. I saw a Kyle Anderson video. He was out there looking like – Penny Hardaway, you know what I mean? <laughs> Dribbling the ball. Uh, I saw a video of, of uh, uh, Dylan Brooks from last year killing dudes. They don't always translate over, but in the event that it does, if Jaron has developed a mid-range game, watch Me, out. Jaren. Yeah. But the thing I'll say, man, just that I'm excited about, is the fact that we actually see Jaron playing basketball in the offseason as opposed to being on a treadmill or rehabbing or wearing a boot. Or whatever. This is, I think, his first season, maybe since his rookie season, that he's came in absolutely healthy. That he's, Damn, I didn't you know, think about that. he's actually able to actually play basketball and work on his craft, get in the lab and get better. I'm super excited to see it, man. You're seeing his body fill out. You're seeing him become a much uh, more physically mature player. If he can add that in with some of those adding new wrinkles to his game, uh, I think it can be, you know, scary hours for sure uh, for the league. So. Happy for Jaron. Happy to see him add new wrinkles to his game. I hope the MIDI is a real thing, and I hope he's got some type of two-man game that he can get going with, uh, uh, whether it be John Morant, Marcus Smart, uh, whoever they have on the ball, Derrick Rose, whoever is on the ball this year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that for sure. Number three, um, this will be the only time I address this because I expect there's more to come, uh, just to be honest with you. Uh, Dylan Brooks, in an interview with uh, Kelly Iko. Of the athletic, uh, Dylan Brooks was asked about playing with Fred Van Fleet. Uh, Kelly Ico at Athletic says, when I spoke to Brooks in Las Vegas last week, one thing he noted was the impact of former Raptors point guard uh, Fred Van Fleet would have on his offensive efficiency as uh, an area he's fully aware he struggled in. I hope you are aware, Dylan Brooks. Uh, it's an area he, he's aware he struggled with last season in Memphis. Van Vliet is one of the game's premier passers and has elite court vision. There's a reason Houston's brass felt it necessary to pay big money to land his services. Uh, Van Vliet's gravity and driving kick ability are two much-needed lifts to this team's floor and ceiling. Um, yeah, let's 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 top that up. Um, Dylan, you my man. There's been a lot of. Um, been a lot of videos out, you know, Dylan Brooks tributes, 
I've seen guys like you. Dylan Allen to the day I die. I've seen guys like you who are, you know, professing your, you know, I'm, I'm getting emotional. Well, I feel, I feel, I'm starting <laughs> to feel like, so much. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, say it in that voice. That's the voice I definitely say it in, reading you guys' tweets. I, I, I'm going to tell you this, man. Enough of y'all, man. Because you know what? I'm the guy who, this whole Dylan the villain thing, I'm the dude who created that thing. I'm, I'm going to yeah. let y'all know that from here into eternity. I'm the man who created Dylan the villain back in 2000, whatever year he got here. Uh, when people were out Dilly Dilly for the man. I was the one. <laughs> I forgot about Dilly Dilly. Like, this dude's got some jackass in him. He's got some villain. He's got some bad guy in him. I was the guy that was calling him Dylan the villain uh, way before anyone else. Uh, I even had T-shirts to prove it. I made a lot of money off of Dylan Brooks and my Dylan the villain T-shirts. Um, so I, I'm not going to act like I don't like Dylan. I'm not going to act like that at all. He's one probably the more beloved Grizzlies here. If anything, he's an entertainer. Um, he's, he's found a niche in the league. And he's playing this villain role very well. And I'm here to tell you, Memphis Grizzlies fans, do not get caught up in the trap. Dylan Brooks is going to troll. He's going to say these wild things. He's going to say all these crazy. He's going to do the week that we played the Houston Rockets. Dylan Brooks is going to say so much. It's going to be a revenge tour, bro. It's going to be. Yeah, he's, he's, a w, he's a WWE NBA player. He's a heel. Yeah. He's going to he's going to talk shit about us the entire season. And and you think the stuff he did with Mike Conley was was wild when he when Mike came back here, and the thing he did with Donovan Mitchell or whoever. That dude is gonna be in an all-time wild ass form. You might literally see Dylan Brooks grab a dude by his balls and twist the mugs like on TV. Like he's he's gonna do some wild shit when he plays the Grizzlies, man. Like I can 100% guarantee you that's gonna happen. He's so, so slick with it. Like he he does it so slickly. Like this is the second time I've heard it, bro. He's like, I'm playing with Young John Jaren now. Like, bro, you <laughs> know that's not the case. You're getting a rise. Yeah. You know what you're doing. Yeah, and, and he's gonna do these type of things, which is why I'm not really embracing all the I miss you, Dylan stuff. Because Dylan's gonna be, he's yeah. gonna troll like never before this season. And that's his thing, man. You gotta think about it. The villains of the league, there aren't villains in, in the NBA like there used to be. There used to be a ton of them. Nowadays, you know, the the last two great ones are Patrick Beverly and Draymond Green. Those are the last two current ones. You got guys like Trey Young. It seems like Trey's trying to kind of come back over to the. Seems like he's trying to make a face turn, a little bit. Um, but but Dylan's like, hey, I can be that next icon of the league. I could be that Dennis Rodman. I could be that Ron Artest. I could be that bad guy, that bad boy in the NBA. You know, I could be the, the uh, Bill Lambeer or whoever you want, Rick Mahone, whatever you want to do. Um, and I think I'm not mad at him, but that's clearly what he's doing. Like this is all an act. This is all publicity. It worked because Dylan just got a twenty-plus million dollar a year contract with Houston Rockets. I'm not mad at him at all, but I'm not about to be baited into the sub of Dylan. Dylan is all you get, man. We all know that John Morant was a very unselfish player. We know that he was a guy who uh, was known for the, the, the passing and court vision that he has. We're not doing this. We're not gonna act like Fred Van Fleet is gonna make your game better. You're still gonna be the same dude doing the same wild shit in Houston that you did in Memphis. So Dylan Bruce, get the hell out of my face. As a matter of fact, I'm about to go to commercial break on your ass. I don't feel like doing with you. I'm not giving you any more energy on this. This is it. This is this is all I got for you, Dylan Brooks. I'm I'm sure there's gonna be more of this. Don't get baited in. He's gonna. I'm telling you, man. When it's like the week that we played Houston, as soon as he plays the game right before he plays us, he's oh, gonna it's, get it's gonna start. He's gonna get the bullshit start. started. It's happening, and I'm not mad at it. He's an entertainer. This league is an entertaining league. So expect more of the same. Like I said, we're about to take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap this thing up. 
for a segment that we like to call Inside the Same Brain. It's coming up next here on the Anthony Sane Show. See you guys in a minute. What's up, guys? I'm so excited to announce that we have partnered with Coaching for Literacy, and you can read more about them at coachingforliteracy.org or follow them on social media at Coaching for Literacy. Your subscription to Bluff City NIL is 100% tax deductible because of our partnership together. Thank you for supporting Memphis Tiger student athletes and helping promote the monumental cause of childhood literacy. So, uh, about to wrap this thing up. Shout out to my boy Kenny Stubblefield, who is away. We got my man Michael Arell, guest guest producing with me this week for sure. Uh, you see him over there. Um, but we're about to wrap this thing up with something we call Inside the Same Brain, where I talk about something that's going on, typically outside of sports, uh, from my point of view, the way I see it. Uh, major news that happened since the last time we did the show was the uh, Carly Russell situation. Uh, Carly Russell, of course young lady in Alabama. You all probably heard the story a million times, a million different ways. A lot of speculation about it. Uh, Carly Russell, of course, um, claimed to have seen a baby on the a toddler on the side of the, the highway uh, after leaving an event, leaving work, uh, headed home roughly around nine something o'clock uh, last Thursday, I believe. She called 911 to report seeing this toddler on the side of the road. Then she called her brother's girlfriend uh, to let her know uh, brother's girlfriend. And I apologize if I'm telling you this wrong, out of turn, out of sequence, missing details. Just explain the best way I understand the story. And I apologize if that offends anyone. Um, Sister said that she heard her yell, uh, maybe the sound of a phone dropping. Um, And she was missing. She was missing for about 48 hours. Um, came up back at her house, allegedly barefooted, uh, visibly upset. They took her to the hospital to be tested or whatever, or just whatever the need was that she had. Uh, since there have been a lot of speculation, a lot of people making assumptions or claiming this is a lie or calling bullshit on this and all these type of things. Uh, certain things, Michael, I'll admit, you know, they, they look kind of odd. Um, and some things look like dead ringers for this type of situation for someone to be a victim of, you know, kidnapping or possible human trafficking or, or this toddler being used as bait. Um, I'm honestly, honestly don't have an opinion on this. Um, only thing that I would say is that every day, I mean, every year, a quarter million black women come up missing in these type of situations. And you hear stories of 
people having trap doors in their hotel, finding trap doors in the hotel rooms with tunnels underneath their hotel rooms and ladies coming up missing and, you know, people doing things like putting uh, chemicals on money and paper and things like that and, and door handles, and and shit. all these type of things. And the human trafficking is, is a real thing. And you also hear people say that black women don't get attention to these type of incidents like a white woman does. And something that people are saying now is, I hope she's telling the truth. And it's, it would be really embarrassing if she's not telling the truth because then people will stop listening to us. And I'm here really to call bullshit on that whole thing because I'm like, even if this is a hoax, which I I don't think it's a hoax. I don't think she's lying. I don't think she's making up a story. I think there is a possibility that what we're assuming happened naturally, where she was, where there was a baby on the road and she was kidnapped and she escaped being in, in, in prison by this person and now she's free and she's here to tell her story and not tell her story. I think there's a possibility that that didn't happen as, as described. She could have been under the influence of something. She could have had a medical breakdown. She could have had a mental breakdown. Anything, you know, man, I think any of those things are possible. I don't think that she totally made this story up, but I don't understand why she has to. This has to be true for us to care about a quarter million black women being missing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand why, why this lady, like, why that those two have anything to go with, to do with each other. Those those ladies should still matter. That number yeah, should still be super important. Um, I, I hope that this I do I do I hope that the, what is what she's saying is real because for strictly just a human element I would love to hear this woman's story I would love to hear how she escaped this I would love to hear what she went through um there are some holes in this people are saying things like no one ever reported a child missing uh no one ever reported seeing a child on the side of the road uh, people are wondering why she got separated from her phone things like that a counter to that is that people are saying if, if she was abducted, the abductors would have kept those things away from her because they could be used as a tracking device. Yeah. There are some people that feel that, um, that that it was a real abduction, but once the abductors saw how big this had got, they didn't want to have any part of that, so they did let her go. There are people who, that's the theory that's out there. Um, all the theories are kind of expected. That's human. That's the way, it's human yeah. nature. Way yeah. I hate it. I wish that we I wish that this was resolved right now. I wish I could look up and, and see her give this elaborate story of what happened and all these type of things. Everything adds out, everything checks out. Um several people are saying that if she if if it was real, she wouldn't have she going to that house would not have been her first stop. She would have went the first place she could have went to let alone uh, to seek help. I don't know, man. Like I don't I don't that's, that's what's crazy to me is because like I've heard that story. Then I've heard another story that, like, you know, the girl, she said the girl was in the road, was trying to help the girl. Then somebody abducted her, took her wig off, took her phone, threw it in the car. Mm. Then I've heard stories saying that she went to her house and knocked on the door. But I've also heard they found her in a red roof inn. Like, yeah, heard, the whole like, hotel thing. Like, that, see, the hotel thing makes more sense because it's like, oh, she was held captive by somebody. They found her in a hotel. But, like, mm. the story, like, going to the house. I don't know, man. Like I said, like my opinion on it is kind of like I don't have an opinion because I nobody knows. Like nobody really knows what happened. So I see you saying, like, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not like currently like constantly refreshing my screen to see what's going on. But I'm hella intrigued by this. I really want to get a resolution. I want to see what's happening. I want her story. 
not gonna say I want this lady to have gone through that, but I do want. No. I want. I want her story to hold up. I don't want this to be anything fake, man. I don't. I don't think that the fate of black women should rest on this story, and their health and their safety should rest on this. But I do wish that this uh, comes to an end. And um, another thing is, uh, people are saying that this is real. Why are we being notified that this is a real thing? That there could be someone out there doing this? Why are we being notified? It's all super interesting, man. It's all super wild. Um, I'm continuing to pray for the whole situation because it's, it's wild. It's crazy. Um, I just, I just hope that she gets peace, regardless of the situation. Because if yeah. she, if she has a drug problem or a mental health problem, I'd hope that she's finding peace there. And if she's making this whole thing up, I hope that she gets peace in her mind. To realize that's not cool. Um, it's it's wild stuff though, man. It's wild stuff for sure. But uh, but yeah, that's that's another show under our belts. Mike, I appreciate you coming on with me today. Appreciate man. you having me, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Learning the ropes behind the scene. Look out for Mike on Hoop Spaces. Look for him coming out soon as well on the Silent Media Group, doing great things sure, over there. Sure. Uh, really great up and coming young content creator coming up. Glad that he's a part of what we're doing with the Silent Media Group. And we will see you guys next time. Like I said, Kenny's away on break. We're doing things from the house. I know it looked just like we're in the studio, but nah, we ain't. But yeah, we're doing big things with Bluff City Media. We will see you guys next time. And until then, we are out of here. Thank you for listening to The Anthony Sane Show. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. For comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports, head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co and find out how you can become an insider. We will see you back here next week.